today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. With the increasing numbers that we have seen here in Ontario, and especially here at Hamilton, that has moved us into the red zone, uh, there's a concern right now about how this is all going to have an impact on, on the healthcare system, and specifically uh, the hospital system in this city. You may recall, of course, even during the first wave, uh, the uh, the impact was, was great on all the hospitals. Surgeries were postponed, a number of different procedures that people were expecting or usually had uh, had to be changed and altered, some of them canceled. It was problematic. And... Uh, well, it's it's concerning right now to see the numbers the way they are right now and, and wondering just how this is going to impact the health care system and the hospitals in this system. Uh, tonight, and we're pleased to welcome back to the program Rob McIsaac. Uh, Rob, of course, is the CEO of Hamilton Health Sciences. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Bill. Glad to be me- here. Let me ask you, Rob, right up front, how concerned are you about the trajectory that you're seeing with the numbers right now and the impact? I, I, I don't think we all want to go back to that deja vu that we saw back in the springtime where hospitals had to start canceling or postponing things of that nature. Are, are we close to that precipice again? Um, yeah, I, so I'm very concerned uh, about the situation uh, that we're seeing in the community. So for sure, if the numbers continue to rise, um, we, we will have no alternative uh, but to go back to a situation where we're uh, starting to postpone surgeries and procedures, um, I think, you know, it's really in the community's hands at this point uh, in terms of their own individual actions to prevent the spread of the virus, uh, to help us to avoid that situation. We, we The situation we're in right now is reasonably manageable. We have, uh, I think, 15 patients, uh, COVID-positive patients uh, at Hamilton Health Sciences today. I think two of those, unfortunately, are in, are in our ICU. Uh, but those, So those are numbers we can definitely uh, manage, but we, we have to uh, keep spare capacity uh, within the hospital to make sure that if the numbers rise quickly, uh, that we can accommodate that. So it's a it's a difficult balancing act. Uh, so far, so good, but really can't state strongly enough to the community. You know, feels like we're on the razor's edge, and we really need people to uh, to do their best to put to put this thing down. And, and I think the last three or four weeks, Rob, have actually been indicative of that. I mean, look where we were a month ago with our numbers and where they are now. Uh, it's, it's like a snowball going downhill. Once it starts rolling, it's pretty hard to get a hold of it. Yeah, I mean, there is a point after which you kind of you've lost uh, control of it. Public health can no longer do the contact tracing that's needed to be done in order to try to you know really limit further spread of the virus. So, don't we're not in that situation today, but it wouldn't be that hard to get there. Talk to us about the impact this is having on staff. This is one of the stories that doesn't get told very often, and 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 um, there are some realities that we have, and you know, not everybody that, that contracts or tests positive for COVID has to go into the hospital. As a matter of fact, most of them don't. Most of them do recover. We know that, uh, but. One of the other elements that I saw, which I found rather troubling, was the high percentage of people that do test positive are healthcare workers, and, and uh, those are the people that you're counting on on a daily basis on the front line. That that's got to have a, a a real impact on staffing. If if all of a sudden have people that do test positive because they're exposed to it because they're working in an environment like that, uh, and then all of a sudden they have to quarantine themselves for a number of days. Yeah, good question. Um, I think that you know there's many. Uh, there's lots of different sides to that question. Uh, I, I maybe the first thing I should say is that um, 
health human resources, people working in the front lines of healthcare uh, are at such a premium uh, today. You know, we the the pandemic has really shone a bright light on you know some of the inadequacies uh, that were pre-existing in our healthcare system, and so. Uh, you know, there's certain healthcare um, specialties that are in extremely short supply today that we just, you know, even losing a few people w- would be very challenging. But broadly, uh, you know, everybody, nursing homes, retirement homes, hospitals, every part of the healthcare system is out there uh, pounding the pavement, trying to hire more people into the system. And it, it's very, very challenging. We have, as of today, we've got, I think, 56 staff uh, who are self-isolating because of, you know, for one reason or another, uh, there is a chance that they've been exposed to the virus. So we need them to uh, go into isolation to make sure, you know, that they're not further spreading the virus. So, yeah, it's 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 a challenge. I, I think the other challenge that I, you know, should point out is just how challenge how difficult the last nine months has been for so many people at Hamilton Health Sciences, at St. Joe's, at healthcare workers across uh, the whole region. It, it's a it's a tough situation. Uh, it's demanding a lot of people. It's stressful because people are worried about uh, their own health. They're worried about bringing it home. Um, now we, you know, it's it's not that useful for us to simply dwell on that, but I do think people should know, you know, how hard people have been working and how hard they're trying for the community. But we're trying, you know, to emphasize to our staff to really take care of themselves, uh, you know, uh, try to uh, practice a number of different things to increase their resilience to get through this very challenging time. Well, and it's wonderful and gratifying, I guess, to see all the signs. You know, congratulations to our frontline workers, and you see them all the place, all over the place, Rob. And it's it's good to acknowledge that. I understand that, but you're right. There are untold stories here about stress levels uh, on families, on people that are working there. Uh, you know, and the impact it's going to have on them as well. And uh, I, I, I just. I'm, I'm impressed, so impressed, because I know some people that are working at Hamilton Health Sciences and at St. Joe's, uh, who just day in and day out are, are basically, you know, putting themselves on the line like this and just figuring, well, that's the job I've got to do this, uh, and notwithstanding the fact that they're putting themselves in a, in a pretty precarious situation as well, uh, it, it takes an awful lot of courage and dedication by every one of the staff members to do that on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud of our team at Hamilton Health Sciences and for how well they performed. And uh, definitely the frontline workers who are, you know, um, putting themselves in harm's way on a regular basis because they're dealing directly with our patients. But I also want to just send out some kudos to the whole management team at Hamilton Health Sciences and indeed across uh, both hospital systems. You know, the management has been working uh, super hard for nine months and uh, have really uh, done yeoman's work. Well, and that's one of the other stories. I wanted to ask you about that as well. Here we are talking about a possibility, and I hope it doesn't happen, where you may have to make some decisions about canceling some elective surgeries and, and other programs and things of that nature, because we already went through that to a certain extent, of course, back in the springtime. And uh, 
Well, I've told my listeners, I said I was one of those people that actually had a surgery that was delayed because of that, and, and uh, it, it's problematic. But now uh, you're facing and your staff are facing the backlog of some of those. And I, well, the last time I talked to somebody in management, uh, they were saying, well, we're still not caught up yet. I mean, there's still a long way to go. So not only are you looking after surgeries that come in the door now or elective surgeries that have been scheduled, but you've still got this backlog. So the, the, the surgeons, the staff, the OR staff, everybody is working under tremendous pressure these days. Yeah, the the backlog um, is going to take a long time uh, to work through. Now, the the province uh, is doing its best to try to you know come up with strategies to allow us to better get at uh, those backlogs, and uh, there has been some additional funding that's been brought to bear to try to um, uh, help us to work through that. I think you know there's there's a couple of uh, rate limiting factors there. One is what I mentioned earlier: uh, health human resources. People, just people, are at such a premium that, you know, it does, in some respects, it doesn't matter how much money you've got to throw out a problem. If you don't have people to actually do the work, uh, it, it, it's hard. The, the other thing um, that's really impacted our ability to eat into that backlog is that the, the fact that the pandemic is ongoing means that um, our surgeons and, and all of the surgery teams need to take extraordinary uh, personal protection uh, uh, measures, which are slowing down the rate at which we can do those procedures. So I think we're, even though we're kind of operating at full steam, we're we're only pumping through about 85% of what we did pre-pandemic because everybody has to be so careful uh, around, you know, not um, around the precautions associated with the pandemic. Well, and people have seen that, Rob. I mean, if you go to the grocery store, uh, you know, if you're next in line at the checkout counter, I mean, you've got to wait there because the clerk has to wipe everything down. Uh, that's that's a grocery store. I mean, you know, multiply that 10 to 100 times more in a hospital facility where you, you have to do that as a matter of course, but especially with the pandemic and the virus around there like that, you've got to be extra careful. Yeah, that's exactly right, Bill. It's a good analogy. So, so we're, there we are. Now, I, I don't want people to think, oh, my God, if we get to this point, uh, what are we going to do? Uh, you guys, and I know this from the springtime, we're talking to you and the administration from uh, St. Joe's. Uh, you've talked about this. You've talked about what was going on back in the springtime when we saw the horrific situations in some places in the states about how hospitals all of a sudden hit this overcrowded thing. Uh, you've developed a strategy and a plan that uh, that you can put in place if, God forbid, we should get to that. Uh, you've talked about this and, and, and planned for this, haven't we have we we've been doing a lot of work and i think um the first thing i should uh, note is that hospitals across our whole region are working together uh to try to support each other through all of this so that if any one hospital gets you know unduly hit the other hospitals uh, will come to that hospital's aid to make sure that uh, everybody's getting taken care of and then of course um i mean people need to know that it, if, uh, you know, the matter that uh, they're dealing with is something that is uh, urgent, um, we, we will still deal with it, even in the context of uh, a second wave. It's, it's really the, what, what we call scheduled care that ultimately gets um, postponed. And I, I don't want to diminish that in any way. I mean, um, you know, I said last week, there's a real toll, a real price to pay in human suffering. Like if you need a new knee, if you need a new hip, if you know shoulders, 
There's all kinds of scheduled care where people are suffering because, you know, they have some kind of degenerative uh, situation with their body that needs to be addressed uh, and that gets put off. And, the you know, those people are paying for this by having to endure that pain for a longer period of time. So uh, we do have plans uh, which will make sure that, you know, where there's uh, an emergency, we can continue to deal with that. But what we're really concerned about is the, you know, all of that human suffering associated with people having to wait longer and longer for their for scheduled care for elective, so-called elective surgery. Well, and as we uh, discovered when we were talking to some of the folks out at, uh, at McMaster uh, at the Children's Hospital, is emergency situations. I mean, call 911. I mean, uh, ho- anybody who has had occasion to be inside one of these hospitals uh, in the last nine months, they're taking every precaution possible. But, I mean, uh, don't be afraid to go into a hospital if you're having chest pains or something else that requires emergency care. Uh, they're ready for you, and they can equip it, and they've taken all precautions. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the other thing that I would, you know, really strongly encourage people to do is not put off, you know, uh, kind of diagnostic tests, screening. Uh, un- un- unless and until we say stop, people absolutely need to uh, come in for those appointments, get those things uh, scheduled because, you know, that preventative, uh, those preventative cares, those early diagnosis can make such a, a big difference in somebody's outcome. Uh, in terms of any, you know, given condition. So, um, you know, unless and until we get to a point where we're, again, overwhelmed and we have to be uh, ramping down things and we haven't gotten there yet, really hoping we don't get there, uh, unless and until that happens, I strongly encourage people to keep their appointments, make their appointments uh, to get screened for, you know, whatever it is that uh, uh, they usually do on a regular basis. How is that impacting? How's the, the 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 pandemic impacting that, Rob? I mean, if, you know, Hamilton Health Sciences, of course, can boast you know one of the best cardiac areas regions and and protocols, I guess, in in the world, really, and as they do with cancer care, uh, and 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 that, as as you mentioned, is is part of the success for that is the preventative measures and the diagnostic measures. Is is there a backlog there too? Are, are you having trouble coping with the, with the numbers there? Well, what we did see uh, and during the first wave is a lot of people. Uh, so first of all, we did ramp down uh, some of those uh, diagnostic procedures. Uh, but then there, there was another very large cohort of people who I think were just uh, worried about coming into the hospital uh, because of what was going on in the community. And so they, they skipped their appointments. Uh, so we know that there there is a, a cohort of people, a backlog of people out there who have missed some di- some diagnostic tests, uh, screens, um, and um, so that's a concern because we know, as I said earlier, uh, you know, the sooner we can f- uh, figure out about those conditions, the, the better we are able to uh, to deal with them. So I, I do think as we look forward in the years to come. Uh, Again, there'll be another kind of price to pay uh, and for our community because people haven't been as diligent uh, or, you know, have, haven't been able to be as diligent about getting those uh, screens done. Well, and I guess that's the takeaway. We're just about out of time here. But the message I guess we want to impart just as we're finishing off here uh, is uh, we should all be concerned about the way these numbers are, are moving and the trajectory of them. Uh, but we can all play a part in making sure that it doesn't get to that crisis point by following the protocols, the mask wearing, the, the, the hand hygiene and the social distancing and, and avoiding crowds. Uh, that's that's the part. I don't mean to sound cliche, but that's the part each and every one of us can play to make sure the hospitals don't have to get to that point. Exactly right, though. Rob, always a pleasure. Uh, thank you. And, and again, uh, 
please impart our gratitude to everybody on the staff. And as you say, from, from the upper management right down to, to the custodians and everybody else who do this on a daily basis uh, to make sure that we do stay safe and healthy. We really appreciate that. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Take care. Rob McIsaac, CEO for the Hamilton Health Sciences uh, section. And as you know, we've had past discussions with St. Joe's and the folks uh, in London. Uh, just incredible work that they're doing on a daily basis. And we don't talk about it enough, but in a crisis situation like this, uh, they have a plan, they implement the plan, and uh, they're dedicated. And they're putting themselves at risk by doing this on a frontline basis every day, too. But uh, you don't hear them complaining. They just do their jobs thankfully for all of us the bill kelly show weekdays from nine to noon on 900 chml